Welcome to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Claudio and Steve will share their business and life experience to help you grow your business and improve your life. Here's Claudio and Steve. Okay, hello everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. I'm Claudio Relsano. And I'm Steve Mancini. All right, we have a very special guest today who was uh, sent to us by a friend of mine who I had to do it or else he'd beat me up, and that's Mike Murray. Mike <laughs> Murray is the original MMA guy. I don't know if you knew oh, that, Steve. He's, you he's, were uh, talking about that. Yes, Mike's a great guy, but he re- he asked if we could get uh, this wonderful person on. I did some research, and she is she's great at what she does and a very nice uh, young lady. And, and let's she's, be honest, it's never a bad idea to know a judge. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> but she is seeking re-election to, the, to a sixth term as a district judge. She's been a judge for 28 years, graduated from University of Pittsburgh, as did my daughter. Uh, last year, 90,000 cases as a district judge, 3,000 marriages, taught law at CCAC Boyce, and uh, we're very honored, pardon the pun, to have the Honorable Judge Cheryl Yakupak. Judge, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. All right. And uh, to, I brought my husband a T-shirt once that said, uh, the next best thing to knowing the judge is being married to the judge. <laughs> there you go. Did you did you marry? Can you do that? Can you marry yourself? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I just saw three thousand marriages, and I said, yeah. "Wow, when did she have time?" I bet you never heard that. I bet you never got that hey, question before. Good. Did you ever hear that question before, Judge? Right. Uh, no. Uh, I, I wanted my son is getting married at Christmas time in Naples, Florida, and. I offered to do their wedding, and uh, they they want like you know a real person to marry oh, them. Oh, real person, okay. <laughs> Even though I do, I would do it for free, but <laughs> <Real> no. <person. laughs> yeah, it, it, when you said that, it reminds me of Joe Montana, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. His son who was a quarterback. He hired a quarterback coach. I said, wait, a minute. you have Joe Montana, you know, and you're trying to get a quarterback coach. You know, I, I don't kind of get that. Yeah. But anyway. Well, Judge, <laughs> let's start off. I always ask this question because um, I, I've had so many things happen to me, at, at good things at a young age, uh, that led me to what I'm doing today. But uh, b- before we get into that, tell us again where you're from, where you grew up, and then tell us your dreams as a 17-year-old girl. <laughs> Okay, well, I am from New Kensington, Pennsylvania. Used to be AKA Guntown, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that has changed, I think, since then. <laughs> but uh, from uh, going to Valley High School in New Kensington, I went on to graduate from the University of Pittsburgh. And uh, I have an older brother, John Peck. He was the district attorney in Westmoreland County for. Well, assistant DA and DA for a total of some 40 years. And uh, when I was young, when I was in school, he was already a public defender, and then he switched over to DA. But he would tell me about the interesting cases that he had and and the crazy defendants that he'd represent. And I thought it sounded like a lot of fun and and a job that would be never boring and, you know, just uh, interesting. And so he was my inspiration to go to law school. I went to law school at the uh, Capital University Law School in Columbus, Ohio, and then came back here and started working as a public defender in Westmoreland County. And from there, I, after 12 years as a public defender, the 
district judge in my local area retired, and I ran for his position about 29 years ago, and here I am running again. It's a six-year term, and uh, unfortunately this time I do have opposition, but um giving it my best, and I'm thinking I'm going to win. And that's about it in a nutshell. I have a husband who is also a lawyer. I guess I ought to mention that. Yeah, it doesn't uh, hurt, yeah. We, we yeah, want to paint he, a picture of you, the person, the person, <laughs> because people don't understand. Yeah. You know, they, they look at somebody and what they do, but they there's a person there. There's a person who has who has a family, who has bills, who gets flat tires, and people look at maybe a judge or an athlete or entertainer. Now nah, they don't have those things, but they do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we're public servants, you know, so unlike professional athletes, we do not make, like, you know, oodles of money, but... <laughs> You know, everybody's, uh, how much money do you need anyhow? But my husband is a uh, municipal lawyer. He represents different municipalities and, you know, goes to the council meetings and uh, helps them out there. I have two sons who were also student athletes, uh, Stephen and David. Stephen uh, went to college and played football at uh, James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh, he later tours ACL, so uh, he toured a couple times. At Dr. Bradley, Dr. Bradley yes. accused him of being an ACL abuser. <laughs> <laughs> so he is now a software engineer down in Virginia, right outside of D.C. And then my other son, uh, well, they both played everything, but uh, Dave went on to get a scholarship at Pitt. He was a left-handed baseball player. And... Uh, and that was, uh, well, of course, they you know, were the best on their teams coming from, well, they went to Burl, Lower Burl, next to New Kensington. And uh, when we went down to Pitt for Dave, you know, he was 6'4 and left-handed and, you know, the best pitcher on the team. Well, there were uh, seven or eight lefty pitchers on the Pitt team. And they ranged in height from 6'1 to 6'8. So he was kind of in the middle. <laughs> What year did he play at Pitt? He played, he graduated from high school in 2011. Oh, okay. So he he played at Pitt for two years, and then uh, he had, I think, a disagreement with the coach. Back then, the coach was, uh, oh, I can't remember, Girardi or um, no? Uh, uh, if you wouldn't, yeah, I know, yeah, I know exactly what it was. If you wouldn't have said it, I, I haven't, yes. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah. I think it started with a D. Dor Giordano, anyway, Giordano. Dor yeah, Giordano, yeah. yes. So uh, Giordano wanted him to get surgery. He didn't want to get surgery, so he left and went to Rutgers University in New Jersey. Mm, okay. And that's where he ended up graduating. And um, now he is a medical device sales rep down in Washington, D.C., and uh, he's doing very well for himself, you know, showing doctors how to put in rotator cuffs and knee replacements. They, they love athletes in that sure. field because they know all about the body and, and they just are good at it. Yep. So they're both doing good and, and I love them dearly. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're down there and yeah. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, Judge, you kind of you got me thinking about something. You know, everybody in your position, and there are judges at all levels, you know, with federal, state, local, there's all these, you know, and, and there's different, you know, there's prosecutors, defendants, they all have, you know, well, most of them, they have some kind of family life, they have personal lives outside of their job. I think one thing that I that I've seen, or, or at least the, the inference, is that you know, it's hard to separate 
you come to work and you're, you had a bad day or, or, you know, somebody, you know, judge just got a divorce and now they're, they're overseeing divorce cases as to how do they, how do they keep those personal experiences out of the court so that when they're ruling, they're ruling neutrally and objectively. And, and, and a really quick story is I have a very good friend of mine who's going, sure. who's, she's going through a divorce and she's in another state. So therefore it's not Pennsylvania. And the judge just went through a divorce and his wife basically did what wives shouldn't do. So he gets through a nasty divorce. Now she's she's kind of almost in his boat. And I'm just using this as an example where her husband did all the things a husband shouldn't do. But the judge, and you can in and, and everything I'm, I'm hearing about the court from other people, is that he's just so jaded towards the moms and the wives that it's like, now she, she clearly can't win. And of course, it doesn't help that the judge and the and the ex-husband's uh, you know, attorney used to practice together. I'm sure that has no bearing on it either. But my point, though, is the challenge of objectivity in our judicial system today, it's, it's there front and center. How do you keep that out of your courtroom? Well, um, first of all, I think if the judge used to practice with her husband... Or, is, or his, his attorney, the husband's attorney. That's what I said, but what do I know? It's Texas. Maybe. Well, it's yeah. Well, who knows? Yeah, Texas is a little different, but um, you just have to go into work with a a uh, clean slate. I I started being a judge when I was in my late thirties, and uh, you know, going to pit and everything. I I like to have a good time, and and sometimes you know, if uh, we went out the night before going to work the next day, you know, sometimes you're not in the mood for uh, for listening to people complain and right. and moan and whine and and you get a lot of that in this job and so i learned early on that uh i cannot go to work with any kind of hangover or really any kind of alcohol the night before because it made me short-tempered and uh, you know someone might go to jail who might not be <laughs> to go to jail not really but i don't care I just, father uh, jones i told you no communion <laughs> yeah. on monday into the brig with you <laughs> but it, you know you have to go in with with a clear mind and and not be influenced by anything external and uh you know luckily for me, I do have a happy home life, so nothing here would would uh, affect my decision making. And then in the courtroom, the main thing is that you have to to listen to people. I mean, you know, most attorneys and judges and, and people like yourselves, you know, you love to talk, but whenever you're in the courtroom, you really have to shut up and just listen to what people are saying and hear their story. And, and and empathize. You know, that's the most important thing. You have to not um, think, oh, he's guilty. You know, he did this. You know, you have to really listen hard. And sometimes you can read between the lines and see that really this person, you know, had reasons for whatever he or she did. And uh, unfortunately, the vast majority of the cases I handle are uh, relate back to some kind of mental health illness. And so you have to take that into consideration. You know, people aren't just uh, mean and evil. They have uh, mental health disabilities that are either inherited or because of their environment or whatever, and, and that causes them to behave in the manner that they do. And, and so you have to take that into consideration and decide, you know, what kind of help can we get this person? And, and jail generally is not 
the answer. It's some kind of counseling, inpatient rehab. You know, there's just a lot of resources available, and you have to connect these people to those resources and try to improve the bad behavior. And, uh, you know, whenever you go in there with that attitude, uh, anything that's happening in your personal life or any personal judgments or, you know, prejudices you may have against anything, well, it has to go out the window because, you know, you're a judge and you're supposed to be fair and honest and ethical and not be affected. And I'm not saying there are there are judges who are affected by their personal prejudices and biases. And, and in those cases, you should recuse yourself. I have a friend who who has made enemies with a, a, a judge, and they said, well, if I ever have to go in front of of her, I'm going to be in trouble. And I said, uh, well, just ask for a change of venue. And they said, well, what if she doesn't give it to me? And I said, well, it's not really her choice to give it to you. You know, when I, whenever a defendant or any litigant feels that they're not going to have a fair shake in that courtroom, they can go to the court administrator and say, I want to change a venue. And then the court administrator will come to me and say, so-and-so wants to change a venue. Do you have a problem with that? And, you know, if I were to say yes, then that court administrator would be, well, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, why do you have a problem with giving up this case? You know, it seems like I'm gunning for them. Now, let me ask you a question. Cause that's a, you, you make a good point because every profession, no matter how ethical people should act, you can we can give an example in every single profession where there are just bad apples. It, it, you know... It, Police officers, military, doctors, you know, lawyers, business. There's sure. always bad apples. You cannot avoid it. The idea that you want to throw a blanket over an entire profession because of the bad apples is, is very wrong. And there are a lot of good judges out there. And there are. Oh yeah. And, the vast but, majority of them. Right, but there are bad apples. Now, as a, as oh, in, yeah. you know, as, as a professional, how how do you like? And a good example is you're kind of, you know, of course, of course, for the record. Judge, and you'll appreciate what I'm going to say. Everything we're talking about is hypotheticals, of course. This is just for the radio. Yes. <laughs> this is all hypotheticals. <laughs> but, I mean, right. you know, in, in a case like that, again, if it should have happened, you know, how how do you feel then? then that you, now you know this judge. You're like, you know what? I know the judge doesn't like, you know, Judge Sally doesn't like, you know, Mary. And if Mary ever has to go there, I know Judge Sally is going to just take it to her. And that's that's not right. It's not fair. How do you feel about that? And, and is are there things that judges do to kind of police their own? Well, like I said, whenever someone feels that they're not going to get a fair shake, whether it's because of some previous experience with this judge or maybe some family thing where they just don't like each other, they can, you know, legitimately before the hearing ask for a change of venue and you know, and people have asked for a change of venue with me for various reasons. Uh, uh, one girl had a case in front of me, and she I found her guilty and gave her the minimum fine and court cost. The minimum fine is $25. And she had been in front of me multiple times before, and I would let her slide and just continue the case and tell her to quit, you know, fighting with her neighbors or whatever. And then finally, it happened so often, I had to give her the minimum fine, and, you know, she was mad. So the next time she had a case in front of me, she demanded a change of venue. And and this is what I do. If someone wants 
does not want me as as their judge. I am like, go ahead, move her to somebody else. <laughs> One less headache for me. I'm sure so, your docket is full. <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, you know, I am never someone to fight for a case because it, it does look like, you know, suspicious. It's like, well, why do you want this so bad? But anyway, they sent her to the neighboring judge, and he found her guilty and gave her the maximum fine of three hundred dollars. <laughs> Yeah, so guess what? Now she wants to come and come back to me for all her cases because I am suddenly the fair judge. Wow. <laughs> but, you know, you can always get a change of venue so that you're not stuck, at least at, at my level. Now, up at the Court of Common Pleas, higher levels, um, I don't know how easy it is to show a prejudice with a judge, but at my level... All the court administrator has to do is tell me this person wants to change, and, and I'm all for it. If they don't want me, I don't want them. I don't care. <laughs> Judge, I always <laughs> say, uh, for me as a head baseball coach in college, the toughest thing for me to do is not give everybody playing time. The toughest thing for me to do as a professional baseball scout is to tell someone they're not good enough to go to the next level. Breaks my heart. Uh, what is the yeah. toughest thing for you as a judge? Well, we have a lot of tough cases. I mean, you would think it would be like murder and, um, you know, rape and uh, child molestations are horrible. Uh, I have the preliminary hearing for all of those cases, and hearing them is bad. But then on a small – I hold these cases for court generally if there's enough evidence to send it up to, you know, say down to Pittsburgh or for me to Greensburg to the Court of Common Pleas. And then that's kind of the end of it for me. But other cases that really give me a lot of heartache, well, during the pandemic, I had a thousand truancy cases. And, you know, previous to the pandemic, maybe each year I'd have, I don't know, 50 truancy cases. But during the pandemic, well, you know, everybody just quit doing everything. Kids quit going to school, they study remotely, and the vast majority of them were not studying remotely either. They were just doing nothing. And this was from like first grade to 12th grade. So we started scheduling all these hearings because nobody's doing anything. And like I said, a thousand different hearings for these kids. And, and it was just heartbreaking because, well, the parents were going through their pandemic problems and you know not really you know when you send a kid home with a chromebook and say okay you got to do this and this and this and well they don't know how to do it and the parents don't know how to you know log on and and do all the assignments so it was just hard for everybody and unfortunately during that two-year period a lot of kids did not get an education and it's like, what's going to happen to these kids? When when they went back to school, they just moved them on to the higher grade. And uh, so that was hard. And then, of course, landlord-tenants, whenever you have to evict somebody, and again, during the pandemic, you know, there was a moratorium on evicting people. But unfortunately, a lot of people got used to not paying rent for a year. And then whenever it got back to, okay, now you have to start paying rent again, and they couldn't understand that. <laughs> it's like, no. It's your fault. Yeah. Yeah, you, don't, you can't live for free forever. <laughs> the landlord has to pay his mortgage, and he's already missed a few payments himself. But it's still, it's hard. You know, a lot of people 
get evicted because they've lost their job, illness where, you know, they, they can't really work and they're not getting any money from the government and they just can't pay the rent. And, and you, you know, you think, how can I put this person out? What, what's going to happen to them? And, you know, you try to find relatives or something, but those are the hardest cases. The truancies and, of course, uh, evicting people is, is difficult. What is the best part about being a judge? <laughs> That's easy. I, like I, as you read in my literature, I've married over three thousand people, so uh, I marry probably one couple a week, mm. and everybody is in a good mood. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's happy. I think may, maybe I had one shotgun wedding <laughs> there. Some people were not happy, but generally everybody's happy. Uh, you know, they maybe aren't religious and don't want a priest or a pastor, or sometimes they just want to save the money because I marry people for free. They have to buy the marriage license, but uh, I'm not allowed to charge a fee. And and they bring people and they throw rice and pop open champagne and do the whole thing, get dressed up a lot of the time. Sure. And, and it's just very enjoyable because, you know, everybody's happy. Did you ever marry someone and then have to preside over them during a divorce well i'm not allowed to do divorces oh okay and okay. <laughs> people have said if i had a private practice i could do divorces or represent them and and at my level as judge there are uh some district judges who do still have a private practice as well as act as judge. Yeah. And for me, I have never done that because I feel that the judge is a full-time job sure. and you should not be you know, at your own law office when you should be at your courtroom doing that job. So uh, some people have said to me, you married me like two years ago and now I want to get divorced. And I say, well, it's a lot easier to get married than yeah. it is to get divorced. Luckily, I don't know anything about that, so that's why that may have been a stupid question, Steve. Well, it's always no, no, that's, that, well everybody thinks I can. You, you can marry him, you can divorce him, but right. no. Well, it's always <laughs> cheaper to keep her, so just remember that. So <laughs> now, now, Judge, I got a kind of a curious question because you you're running for re-election, and again, I'm, I'm kind of throwing. It's just the age we live in. Politics has really soured a lot of people, and there's a lot of one of these people step down. But you're running for re-election, and you know you seem pretty even keeled. You know, you've got a lot of experience. But what drives you to want to keep doing this? Well, it's because I love my job. I love working with people. I especially love helping people. I can uh, have a big effect on a lot of people, like just like I said, the truancy cases. Sometimes I can get these kids to go back to school and you know turn their lives around. Uh, if I have cases where there is abuse in the household, whether it's the husband against the wife or well, wife against the husband or against the children. I can remove, you know, the abusive parent and get them out of there. Uh, or parents who are drinking and drugging in front of their kids to the point where the kids are taking the drugs too. I can break that all up and, you know, get the kids in with their grandparents or somewhere safe. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of people, especially this election, who have written me letters and gone on Facebook and said, you saved my life. And, and it really, you know, makes me feel good that I have made a difference in people's lives. And it, I've had 90,000 cases. So 
there's a, a few thousand people out there who who feel that I had a good effect on them, and and I, you know, it's, it makes life worth worth living. No, you know, and and that's and that's kind of like the, those, you know, we kind of jokingly throw this term, the un, unsung heroes, you know, because there are a lot of people like you. You know, we when you watch the news, you see oh, the Supreme Court, and depending on which side of the political spectrum, it's great, it's bad, it's whatever. Is it biased? Is it not biased? So they're putting this person on because politics and you see all this noise and then you see cases where they're not prosecuting this person and they're prosecuting this person it's all politics but but the day-to-day justice system it, it, you know it, it does wheels just got to keep going because there's I hate to say it but there's there's plenty of business and that's that's a sad unfortunate reality when you've got 350 million people you know living in a country that you're going to have bad apples throughout um, oh, yeah. let, let me ask you a question though, but you know, what are, what are your thoughts on that? When you see other layers, and let's be honest, it does get politicized at certain layers, but at your layer, it's this day-to-day kind of work, you know, do you, you love your job is, is that's the ultimate motivation for you? I mean, how do you, do you block out that other noise? Because, you know, cause on the other hand, people might be lumping you in to that other noise. Yeah. Well, the difference is that my job is not political. I mean, right. of course, it's political this year because I want people to vote for me, and I feel I'm the better candidate. I have, you know, practically 30 years of experience, um, and my opponent has no experience as a judge. So, but the thing is, whenever you go in the courtroom, you know, you're not really thinking about uh, what's going on in the Supreme Court or Superior Court because we're just dealing with the facts and circumstances of this particular case. My, my uh, level of judgeship is the front lines of the court system. So we get you know, all of the stuff that is either at the beginning stage, like I said, I have the preliminary hearings for murder cases, rape cases, all the felonies, DUIs, preliminary hearings, and what I decide is, it, do they have enough evidence to show that this person probably committed the crime? If they connect, can show a big connection between the defendant, the person charged, and the crime, then I hold it for court. But then we have all the other little stuff, like traffic cases, you know. I mean, I probably do at least 10 traffic cases a day, and that's all the running through stop signs, and speeding, and driving without inspection, and registration, and driving without a license, <laughs> and all that stuff. And then there's all the the little stuff that fights at school, and smoking in school, and you know just uh, disorderly conducts, people drunk on the street. So you uh, are constantly facing different uh, problems that people have that they got arrested. And, and just uh, trying to sort through it and figure out, you know, sure, they may, might be guilty, but what can we do to change the behavior? And then, on the other hand, that's all the criminal stuff and traffic. I also do civil cases. Civil cases are anything that are not tr- criminal. So, at my level, if you wanted to sue, like, uh, some man that came to your home to build maybe a deck on the back of your house, and he did a horrible job, and the deck is falling apart. So you want to sue him and get your money back and get somebody good to come in and do it. You can sue him yourself without hiring an attorney for up to $12,000. 
so we have a lot of those cases where people just, you know, regular Joe Blow comes in and and people make actually they're very good attorneys when it's their own case because you know, beginning with the job, they take their before pictures, they take their during pictures, they take their after pictures, and, and if they're retired, where they're home all day, and they're looking out the window watching this guy. <laughs> got video. <laughs> yeah, they're keeping a, a history of when he shows up in the morning, when they break for lunch, when they leave. You know, someone comes in, and, you know, at the end of the day, they give them this bill for uh five thousand dollars and they say i was there 40 hours every week and they all know you weren't and they have you know their their list of what when were they there and when they were not there so it's kind of interesting to see just regular people you know everyone has seen judge judy and so they know how to do it and (laughs) they they fare pretty well (laughs) judge in our final minute tell people how why they should vote for you and how they can vote for you Okay, well, uh, they should vote for me because I am honest and ethical, and I love my job. I am very compassionate, and I want to help people. And I have nearly 30 years' experience that my opponent does not have, so that's first and foremost. And my district is Lower Borough, Upper Borough, Allegheny Township, Vandergriff, East Vandergriff, Oklahoma Borough, Hyde Park, and West Leechburg. <laughs> so if you live in any of those areas or have any friends or relatives that live in those areas, they can all come out and vote for me, Democrat or Republican, because judges are allowed to cross-file. So I'm on both tickets, and you can vote for me on November the 7th. And Judge, that's about it. We wish you all the best. We'll keep our eyes and ears open for you and see how you do, but I I have a pretty good uh, feeling that you're going to win because you come off like, like like such a nice person and I you know regular person maybe you know maybe that's not the right term, but uh, you're not stuffy at all and um, again I think you'd be a great choice and I wish you all the best. Well, thank you. And one other thing, people sure. who can't make it to the polls can always do an absentee ballot or a mail-in ballot. You just contact your voter registration in Westmoreland County for me. Judge, do you have a uh, website, or uh, where can folks go out if they want to read about you? Uh, they can go to Facebook, and it's Judge Cheryl Yakapek. All right. I'm sure there's only one Cheryl Yakapek out there from Westmoreland County. So, <laughs> well, again, That's we want right. to th- we want to thank you very much for your your time today. Thank I don't get you a chance. No, I don't get a chance to interview uh, judges, obviously. Um, in fact, you're the first time I've ever interviewed a judge, and I appreciate that. And you gave me a little more insight into a few things, and. You know, it is something that I think about a lot. I've worked for the government for a lot of years. And, you know, we are civil servants. You know, I know you're a little different case, but the point is, you know, we're expected to act objectively for a greater good. But yet we all have to carry our life's burdens with us. So I appreciate your insight into that. And uh, I am glad you have a good home life because it sounds like you're not coming in grumpy. But uh, I'm, well, I'm... just don't drink beforehand, that's for sure. <laughs> but I've Judge, learned that. No, I, I we, pre- we appreciate you, Judge. And thank you, Mike Murray, for setting this up. And we wish you all the best. Thanks, Judge. Okay, thank you very much. All right, all right you take care. Bye-bye. Okay, everyone, we hope you enjoyed that as much as we did, and we wish her well. And as always, Steve, we thank all of our wonderful listeners. Please send us your emails, your, your questions, comments. Uh, at uh, You can send them to me at rosano16 at msn.com or questions at Italian Impact 
weekly.com you can listen to this show on crsmmedia.com and if you're interested in having a podcast yourself please connect with us under empire media ventures we want to help you have a successful show make a few bucks while you're doing it so uh, get in touch with us all right. Again, thanks again for the Judge Cheryl Yakapek for uh, joining us today. I think it was a good interview. I do wish her the best of luck. Um, I do think experience matters. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying I'm for or against one opponent, but uh, I'm just saying I, I liked what she said. Yeah, I, got a, yeah. I got a good vibe from her exactly. is my point. Yeah. And, and I like that. You know, you, you got to know the person. Without knowing the person, you're just hoping, you know, that what you're reading on a, on a bulletin board is who they really are. But when you get to talk to a person, some things come out that you can't get from a sign. So I got a good vibe from her, so I wanna thank her again for joining us. Like Claudia said, please go out to the website. We want to host you, but more importantly, we want to promote you. That is the big difference. Yes, we can get you on a lot of the platforms. That's not hard, that's easy, and you could probably do it yourself, but who is going to promote you? And that's what we're trying to help you with. So if you don't know how to put a podcast together, if you want to put a podcast together, if you want to get hosted, if you want to, how do I promote this thing? How do I get the word out? Reach out to us, Claudia and myself. Go out to the website, crsmmedia.com. Stay in touch with us. And again, we appreciate your time as we always do. Claudio, last word, please. Thank you to all the listeners. We really appreciate it. We hope you're getting something out of this. I have a lot of great guests coming up. Lee Davis, Donnie Lalonde, boxing champion, Jerry Cooney, boxing icon, and Steve and I will come up with a bunch of topics to have impact on you as well. But thank you again for tuning in, and thank you, Mom and Pop. Thank you for listening to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Tune in next week for more impactful business and life experiences with Claudio and Steve.